just glorify him this evening. are not up there, but let's sing it. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name in all the earth. Glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. forward to that day that we are able to just get in the Lord's presence and worship him face to face. Amen. Yes, ma'am. You could read that. Praise the Lord. That is wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Wonderful. That is just exciting. We get to see the Lord working right here and right now. Uh, Just how awesome, awesome. Father, Lord, we just thank you, Father, for that tonight, Lord. I know it was able to just touch into Miss Susan's heart, Father. We give you glory. Father, we give you praises, and we thank you for your mighty word. Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. And amen. (laughs) Take your Bibles once you get a Kleenex and turn to Psalm 119. I want us to look tonight as one of the part of this psalm and understand that each of the psalms in the Bible are actually compiled and written into five different Books and then those books are put into the one that we call Psalm, and they have different writers. Some of them are uh, written by David, and some by some others. And there's some that are anonymous; it doesn't specifically say. And they feel that a lot of those was wrote by the prophet um, Ezra. And Psalm 119, they feel, was written um, by Ezra. Um, you know, just from things that they were able to gather from that. But Psalm 119 is one of the psalms that they call an an acrostic psalm. And each of the sections, if you look in your Bible, you will notice that Psalm 119 is broken down into different sections. Each section begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There are 22 letters. There's 22 sections to the psalm. It begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it goes all the way through the end. And if you want to try to pronounce them, have fun. I have studied on some of those, and we'll do that again, and maybe we'll come back one day and 
have a little fun with that. But Psalm 119, and if you would, go ahead and turn over to 65, verse 65. And there are in the Psalms and in the Old Testament, God's word in this Psalm and others, there are about seven different words that the psalmist uses to convey what God's word is. I want to go over those seven words with you, kind of what they mean, and then I want us to look at those words that are in this psalm. As you're reading through psalm, you will see the word law. The word law is used in reference to God's word. In the Old Testament, you will see it used 220 times referring to God's word. We think of the law sometimes as the Ten Commandments, but it's a lot more than a law that we put to it. But in the Old Testament scripture, usually when you hear the word law, talking about God's word, it's referring to the first five books of the Bible. We would maybe know them as the Torah. And these books are dealing with the teachings and the instructions of God. So when you read it and you'll see that word law come up and we'll talk about it, it, it's kind of referring back to those first five books. Another word you'll see used for God's word is testimony. And we know what a testimony it is, is to bear witness to something. And in the word testimony, is used nine times alone in all of the Psalms 119. And when you see the word testimony in the Old Testament, it's always in reference to God's testimony. No one else's testimony, but into God's testimony. You'll see a word, and you might have read it before, precepts. That's used 24 times in the uh, Old Testament and in the Psalms in Of those 24 times, 21 of them are used in Psalm 119 alone. And they are always presented in the plural sense. It will always be precepts. And those are the responsibilities that God has appointed for his people. Then you'll see the word statute. That's used 128 times in the Old Testament. And it, it comes from the word to mean engrave. You know, we see statues around, but their statute was an engraving a lot of times that was done. And most common, you'll find keep with it, keep my statutes or keep the statutes. And God's statutes are meant to be kept, and they're often referring to his customs, who God is, how God works, what he has for his people, a custom of how people are to live. You'll see the word, the fifth word you'll find is commandment used a lot. And that's usually describing the Ten Commandments. It comes from the word meaning to command or to give a charge to. So God gave the Ten Commandments or a charge to his people to live that way. And uh, out of one of the books I was reading, it says, God's commands are an expression of his person and nature. I want you to think about the commandments that were given express who God is. And what his nature is. And then they said, if we really love our Lord, we'll keep his commandments and they will not be burdensome. I said, well, wait a minute now. That just kind of caught me off guard there for a minute. Because a lot of times we think I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And that's one of the things. 
But because of our love for God, his commandments are his attributes. We should be able to step in and we'd want to do those and they wouldn't be burdensome to us. Another word in the Old Testament you'll find for God's word is judgment, to judge or to govern over people. It's used 400 times in the Old Testament and 16 times alone in Psalm 119. And it's the general idea of justice or specific ordinances to promote justice. And then you'll see the word, word, referring to God's word. And that is to say or to speak. And I found this very interesting. They call that an idiomatic word in the Old Testament. That one word, because of its vast array of meanings and uses, the translation of the King James Bible uses 85 different English words for just that. Word is a powerful word. So to try to get us to understand that. Now, I want us to look at this Psalm 119. We're going to look at the ninth section, which is verses 65 through 72. And I'll come and get the clicker from you here. No, you're doing fine. I was just coming to get it. Okay, let's look here at verse 65. It says, You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. There it is. And what I found interesting, and the reason I went over those seven, every single verse, all eight of these verses, are going to contain some form of God's word. God speaking to or who God is. So we see in the very first one there that you have dealt with your servant according to your word. I am glad that God deals with us according to his word. Who he is, the word that he's given us in the entirety. When we think uh, today of the law, we think of oftentimes the entire Bible. See, they only had the first five books back when a lot of this was written. But God's word speaks to us from the entirety of his Bible. And God deals with us. We are his servants. As a born-again believer, we are his child, but we are also his servant. And he deals with us exactly the way he says he is. It's not a guess. It's not a what's going to happen or or how is this. And the, the psalmist is praising him. I've entitled this a praise of Scripture. All of Psalm 119 is praising God's Word. And here it is. He's praising him. You have dealt with your servant according to your Word. Next, in verse 66, it says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe your commandments there's that other word we looked at his commandments i believe in the ten commandments it says teach me good judgments and knowledge we can take god's ten commandments and if we study those he teaches us things that we need to know they're not just rules they say you can take all those and you can wrap them up into two aspects dealing with god and dealing with man Just as when they asked Jesus, remember the Pharisees wanted to question Jesus. They wanted to catch him. 
because they had all of their laws and they had the Ten Commandments that was up there on the top and they said, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Now, they're trying to catch him and he says, what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. It also says to love your neighbor. So we're dealing with a relationship with God and we're dealing with a relationship with people. And because we believe his commandments, they teach us. If we were to take those Ten Commandments, as most of us do our best in our own way, and live by those, let them teach us, we're going to be able to make good decisions. That piece of jewelry sitting on the counter store as a child you look at and you might want it to steal. As a good judgment, we know thou shalt not steal. So we'd get a good decision there. Or how are we to treat someone else? Or what are we supposed to do? Everything can really fall down into those. So he's praising it here again. He says, I'm believing your commandments. Let them teach me so that I can have that knowledge. Verse 67 says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. There it is again. Before I was afflicted, before I had gone beyond my own self-help, before I had been made to bow low. We think of that affliction, but I like how he says it. Before I was afflicted, I, I went astray. I commit a sin or an error to sin ignorantly. You see, he was afflicted because he had sinned. So that before is very important there. Before he was afflicted, he had went astray and he was afflicted of that. But he says, now I keep your word. Now, Father, I, I keep what you're saying, what your word tells me. And I believe because of that, and this is a praise and that he's praising to them because he's keeping God's word, he's probably not being afflicted the same way he was before. We often go through affliction because we sin or we choose to go at it our own way regardless of us knowing what God said. And we often say, I don't want to be afflicted. Well, let's go with what God says. I think we're better off. What is it, little child? Here's a rule. You don't follow it, you're going to get afflicted. You don't want to get afflicted. What happens? You learn to obey but I think all of this is in praise to knowing that not that we're doing it so God won't allow affliction to come on us. I think that's a, a French benefit, but because of our love for God and because of his love for us, we follow and we keep his word. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. There it is again, that statutes. I have you right there. Let's get you back. There we go. Teach me your statutes so that we can keep them. Teach me your customs, God. How do you live? We look at customs in America. Our customs in America are different than customs overseas. There are customs in the muslin where the ladies wear the robes and all the stuff over their head and the face and all you can see is eyes. We used to think how horrible that was and they shouldn't have to do that. And here 
most of us now, all you can see is eyes. I went in a restaurant the other day, and somebody looked at me, and I looked over at them and kind of nodded and looked away. I could tell they looked pretty rejected. And I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to know who this is. It's a big mask covering up everything. So I walk over, have a name tag on it. It was little Maddie. She was in there. She's working for the hospital, but she had that face. I said, I'm sorry. All I could see was the eyes. So customs say a lot about who people are. But God's customs, his statutes, he says, you're good and you do good. What better custom? You know, I don't want us ladies, for y'all's sake, I, I don't want you to pick up the custom of having to wear all that stuff, to, to uh, co- head coverings and all that. But God's ways, God's customs are good. And what God does is good. So teach me your customs, God. Teach us so that we can what? Be good. And we can do good. Here verse 69, a part of this praise. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your, what? Your precepts with my whole heart. So there's that precepts, our responsibilities, some guidelines to follow by. He's talking about some people who have forged a lie against him, and we're going to look at them in just a minute. But these people are forging a lie, but he says, regardless of what they say, he says, I'm going to keep your precepts. You know, people are going to say lies about us as believers. They just do. Well, here's the one. Let's go back a few years. You remember the big story all over the the news about a cake baker who wouldn't bake a cake for a homosexual. All of a sudden, he's a bigot, he's a racist, he's a hater. Those are all lies. But he chose, right here, I'm still going to keep your commandments. I'm going to keep your precepts. But he says there, I'm going to keep them with my whole heart, all of who I am. Verse 70, their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your law. Now, I'll be honest with you. I read that, and I read that, and I picked up and read some other things and some others trying to figure out what this was and going in and looking at it. What is the world as fat as grease? Now, remember, their heart, he's referring back to the verse just before it, the proud have forged a lie against me. What is the fat as grease? Their heart is insensible. Their heart is as unresponsive as the midriff fat near it. There's nothing in their heart. They have no feeling. They're feelingless when it comes toward God's ways. And because of that, they create these lies And he says, their hearts are like that, but me, what does it say? But I delight in your law. I take action, involvement. I'm excited. There's something within me. I'm not feelingless in my heart. When we understand God's law, he's praising that law, and he's saying that he takes delight in it. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes here is again he's been afflicted he's been brought to the point that he realizes he cannot help himself how often does it take us 
honestly to get to rock bottom sometimes before we'll just raise the white flag. You know, how easy would it have been a long time ago for me to just say, I give up, God. But no, he had to be afflicted. But he says it was good for me that I was afflicted because sometimes that's where it takes us, takes us to the rock bottom before we can see our need for God. And because of that, it says, he went to rock bottom that I may learn your statutes. He went to rock bottom so that God could engrave on him God's word. Sometimes before we're fully open, and then 72, the law, there it is again, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. The law. The first five books of the Bible for us today, let's bring it relevant to us today. God, your word is worth more than coins of gold and silver. Do you pick up on the praise through all of this? Where it might sound that there's some down he's praising. There's, so I want us to look at five things just real quick that we learn from these verses something that we can take away and hold on to out of just eight verses, five things real quick. God is faithful. God is faithful. Verse 65 says, You have dealt with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. God is faithful. He's going to do exactly what God said he's going to do. From the very beginning of Genesis, God said that sin is in the world and that it takes blood to cover it up. And that has been the stage for the entirety of God's word. He sent his son to be that cover, that washing of us. God is faithful. We also learn from God's word that his word is holy. And that his word is the Bible. We learn from God's word. He teaches us his statutes, his law, his commands, everything about his word. And third is we get afflicted by our sin. Now that one might, we might just want to scratch that one off. We don't like that one, but we do. When we sin against God, it forms a little bit of a separation in our relationship. But not only that, if we're going against these wonderful laws and precepts and commands and statutes that God's made. He's done it for our own good. And if we get out of those boundaries, the world's there and Satan's just ready to get us. What about four? God is love and God is good. We learn from his character. God wanted everything he could for us today to understand who he was, so he gave us his word. He sent his son to become like us for those who were living then to see that God is love. If you read all through scripture, you're going to see the overshadowing of love. And if you don't see that, then you're missing the picture of God's word. It tells us in his Scripture, one of the verses is strictly one of his attributes, his character is what? God is love. 
And fifth, we learn from our mistakes and we grow in God's character. You know, God is perfect. God is holy. God is set apart. He wants us to know him. And if we're honest, he wants us to know him intimately. You know, I think today's world has taken certain words, and that one being one of them, and they've really put a negative spin on it. You talk to some people about being intimate, and they're like, ooh, we're not going to talk about that. That's done in the privacy of your home. Well, yeah, in the privacy of a home, a man and a woman who are married together, the most sacred part of that relationship is the intimacy where they come to get together. I'm not talking about sexual relationship. Now, that's part of it at times. But an intimacy is so in there. What is that they say sometimes? Into me, you see, to be so open. God wants us to be so intimate with him. And, and we've learned here that as we make a mistake, it says that we see God working and we learn who he is and we grow closer, and because of that, then we can grow in God's character. Sometimes in my prayer life, I, I go to that verse that John the Baptist said, he must increase, and I must decrease. Do you know my goal every day, and I don't make it, I'll be honest with you, if every day I could be one step closer being like Jesus. If I could just fade out of the picture and he could come more in me, and you know how that has to happen? Because I'm stubborn, I have to make some mistakes. But I tell you, through all the mistakes, I've learned that God's faithful. He still loves me. That's why when I've been studying for this Romans and talking about this justification, this at the moment of our salvation, God makes us right with him and releases that penalty of sin. That helps me to know how much he loves me. It helps me to know that I can go before him because, you know, there's sometimes oh, Satan wants to play in my head that I've sinned. You can't go before God. You've got sin in your life. God don't want to hear from you. Well, what I've just found out through Romans is the moment that I was saved, I was justified and I was made right and nothing changes that. I am treated as if I'm perfect. He doesn't hold that against me. So I can go into his throne room and I can go in there boldly and I can say, Father, I've messed up. And you know what he says? Forgiven. And regardless of what happens in my life, I am one day going to be at that gate and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know why? Because his son already paid for everything. And that's enough to praise God's scripture. That's God's character. And he's faithful to it. And his word, in whatever way we want to say it, points to that picture throughout all of scripture. Amen. Hey, bag of hats. Father God, I just 
come now, Father, how thankful. But Father, how reverent to understand that you spoke to us. Father, you spoke to us through your testimony of who you were. In the Old Testament, Father, we see all those testimonies of you, what you were doing. Father, you sent your son. You said he's coming. And then, Father, you fulfilled those when you brought him. And, Father, you're faithful today and you continue to love. You continue to call and to draw people. And, Father, we're coming. Father, and we're waiting on your character that one day, Father, you're going to come and that you're going to take us home. Father, sometimes I, I have to admit I do wonder. Why haven't you already came? Father, why are you waiting? And then, Father, your voice told me, because I'm love, and I'm trying to get everyone a chance that I gave you. Father, thank you for that. But, Father, Lord, that when the time is right, we know by faith that you're coming and that, Father, we'll be with you. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen and amen.